Hey everyone, Simon here. My wife Maria and I are the pastors at Everyone Church, a new church plant forming in the MacArthur region, southwest of Sydney. And we had in-person church this weekend, which means, like every other in-person church service week, I get to record a special podcast version of what I shared over the weekend. We actually just had back-to-back in-person service weekends, which was a first for us, and we were very excited about it. Lots of fun meeting lots of new faces, just great gathering together in God's house, which happens to be above a cafe next to a go-kart track. That's where we're meeting right now, which is lots of fun. Uh, and we are just loving the journey. And we're so grateful for all the families who have joined us and are calling everyone church their home church and joining in on this journey of church planning with us. We're having a blast. So hey, if you want to know more about Everyone Church, obviously head to our website. We have all our upcoming gatherings there. We're increasing our in-person services uh, very soon, and we're excited about it. So let's get right into things. Culture Wars. We've been sharing about culture wars over the last number of weeks, and today we conclude this series. And I know you're thinking, hey, this would never end, but today we end it. (laughs) And we could go on forever about culture wars. It's such a huge topic. But we're going to close the chapter here and not forget the lessons that we've learned together. It's been quite a journey. Uh, And culture can be defined as the shared behavior of a group of people. Every family has a culture, every workplace has a culture, every church community has a culture, and every Christian should embody a culture. We've been talking about this. And when we become Christians, we get to learn the culture of our new spiritual home. We belong to God. Culture is about who we are together, what we believe together. Uh, And culture is a tide, an influence. Culture can sway you. It's like swimming at the beach. I've mentioned this before. You know, you're swimming at the beach. You're looking at where the flags are. You're in between the flags. And then seemingly seconds later, you look up again and you're out of the flags. And you're like, how did I end up out here? It's because the tide pushed you. And sometimes you're not even aware of it. And if we aren't grounded, if we aren't intentional about our character formation as Christians, and and we aren't grounded in the words of Christ and, and our core doctrines and things like that, the culture around us will form our character, form our beliefs for us. And sometimes it's just the slow chipping away. It's the slow movements, the slow pushes of culture that move us way out of where God wants us to be. And this inevitable collision between kingdom culture and worldly culture puts us in the middle of a culture war. And that's what we've been talking about. And this series is all about equipping us to navigate this and just be aware of the tides of culture that can affect us. So we've been talking about four big topics. The first week we focused on being all in for God. And really, it's the half-baked, lukewarm Christian that is swayed by culture. And we can't talk about uh, standing in this culture war if we aren't being for real for God. Uh, you can't be a Sunday Christian or a half-baked Christian. No, we got to be all in for God. And then we, in the second uh, week, we talked about having Christ-like love, not worldly-defined love, but God-defined love. And Christ's love is self-sacrificing and God-exalting, which is a contrast to the world's love that tends to be self-serving and self-exalting. And then thirdly, we focused on knowing the truth, how it talks about in Ephesians 6, that you should wear the belt of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, Uh, not one of or next to. And we don't want to buy into this thought that everyone can be true at once, because guess what? 
that's not true, especially when your truth and my truth collide. And then last week, we spoke about faith and this strong definition of faith. Faith is trust expressed through personal relationship with God. And our role primarily is to say yes to God. And, you know, there's two extremes here. There's this thought that faith is just nonsense. You know, this tends to be kind of like a worldly thought, is that faith is nonsense. You just need faith when there's no scientific evidence. But then on the flip side, way on the other extreme, is this thought that faith is like how I get a new car. It's like I just manifest it. I believe in faith for a pay rise and all this kind of stuff. Well, listen, both those thoughts are extreme and silly. We need to know biblical faith biblical faith, you know, and God hasn't given you faith to gain objects, per se. No, he's given you faith to move you toward obedience. It's about obedience, not just objects. And it's an eternal thing. It's 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 focusing on God and bringing his kingdom forth. So today, I want to talk about something that really triggered and prompted me to share this whole series, to start this whole thing. And much of our focus up until this point has been on big picture cultural issues like God, love, truth, faith. Um, but the sneakiest culture wars are not the battles between being like way off and being where God wants us to be, but more so the subtle movements away from Christ likeness, where we have just enough of God to mask all these terrible selfish <laughs> issues we have. And and what really triggered this whole thought of culture wars was I, w- I was looking at a news website. Um, I don't really watch the news or anything. I just kind of have a few news sites that I flick through uh, on a daily basis if, if I remember to. But I was l- looking at this news website, and, the, and, and it was a couple months ago, and this title of, of an article said this. It said, Church's Toxic Leadership Culture Exposed. And it really grieved me as a uh, as a pastor and someone who has been in full time ministry for like twelve years, uh, for for a few reasons. One reason is that it's always a wake up call when the world starts expositing and and judging and critiquing culture within the church. Uh, you know, you, we can puff up our, our chest and and pride and say, oh, you know, well, that's the, the world. They don't understand. We're the church. And But sometimes the criticism, and in this case, the criticism was warranted. Uh, and another reason why it really kind of grieved me was because we don't, uh, we're, we're planting a church and we don't want to be a church that hurts people um, or manipulates people. We want, or, or lords it over people. We want to be a good, healthy church. So that had been something that had been stirring on Maria and my, and my heart for throughout this whole journey of wanting to be a good, healthy church that loves God, loves people, serves our community. And another reason uh, that it kind of grieved me was somewhat generational, but I believe that we can, particularly in the Western church, have an overemphasis on leadership. Uh, and do we need leadership? Yes. Is there a role for leadership in the church? Absolutely. Like leadership, it, it, we need it. Uh, but I would put forth the thought that there is a shift happening in the church, and that shift is away from toxic, controlling, unapproachable, exclusivity-driven leadership, where the peak of church involvement is to lead. It's like as soon as you enter the doors of many churches, uh, it's in our vision statements, it's, in, it's on our signage, our methodology, to turn church attenders into church leaders. And I believe... God is pruning that lack of balance in the church today 
and bringing us back to a culture of servanthood, strong servanthood. Kingdom culture is a culture of servanthood. You know, Maria and I have a tree out front we planted. It's like a crepe myrtle, and it's really nice and, and, and cool. But it's it's got this one branch that's growing really, like, kind of top-heavy. It's like, and, and if we're not careful, that tree will start to lean. And I think much of church culture today is a little bit top-heavy. And I'm not talking about uh, just about leadership or the leadership of churches. No, I'm talking about the church members too. Uh, you know, culture is our shared behavior, right? Like, uh, I think sometimes we can be just a little bit too top-heavy. Our focus is on the platform. Our focus is on performance. Our focus is on influence. But that's not what Jesus said. And that's not what Jesus' focus was on. So let's turn to John chapter 13, where we're going to focus today, from verse 1 to verse 15. We're just going to step through a few verses at a time. We don't really need to set it up because it sets up itself. In verse 1 of John 13, it says this, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Verse 2, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So we see here that this is at the tail end of Jesus' ministry on earth. It's the Last Supper, and he's about to teach his disciples some last truths before he endures the cross. So this is like an important moment. This is a big deal. It's the culmination of years of travel, miracles, discipleship. So what do you expect Jesus to say here? What do you think would be worthy of this moment? I mean, what would what would today's church culture expect from Jesus? To probably like a podcast, a leadership podcast, or a strategic tool, maybe a New York Times best-selling book. But let's look how Jesus, uh, what he presents here in this in this moment. It's a big moment. It says in verse four. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash to the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Like, what? This, is, this sends the, the disciples on a bit of a spin, especially Peter. And like, talk about a culture war, because the removal of, of the outer garment and the wrapping of a, like a towel around your waist what, to dress for menial service would have been despised by both Jews and Greeks alike. Their culture was built on status and exclusivity. And you could almost say that there was a bit of a bad leadership culture during the time. Now, I'm not trying to uh, to ham up the, the culture b- cultural background to emphasize my point. But what I am saying here is that Jesus, the Son of God, with all authority, bowing and getting his hands dirty in an act of menial service, Acting like a slave was like, would have been mind-boggling to these disciples, these Jewish disciples. Uh, and how would today's church expect Jesus to act? Like he knew Judas was going to betray him, right? Uh, and he probably, 
yeah. Today we would have expected that Jesus would correct Judas, maybe delegate dinner du- duties, share his core values, and have a keyboard on in the background to just kind of set the mood. Now, I'm not, look, I've heard lots of sermons about this text, and uh, really great ones too, like you know that the feet were the dirtiest part of of people in those days, uh, that how Jesus took off his robe, his status, uh, like or how, how people would have been waiting for you know the servant foot washer to show up, as was the custom or how the basin is a symbol of this and that. Look, I'm not here to get caught up in the symbolism. Let's just let the text be the text for a moment. Jesus did a lot of prophetic things in his ministry. Much of what he did and said had layers of prophetic scriptural fulfillment, but I can't think of anything more practical and also mind-exploding outside of the cross than the creator of the universe washing his disciples' feet. Let's just take that in for a moment. The one who created feet, washing feet. And feet are disgusting. (laughs) And like, why would he do this? Why now? And why at this peak point in his ministry on earth? Well, he tells us in verse 12 of John 13, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus sets an example for his disciples. He sets an example of servanthood. He sets the example of servanthood, of willingness to to, to serve, to kneel, to serve. A willingness to cast off entitlement and to take on the role of a servant. And this isn't the first time Jesus sets this example. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 42, so he's speaking to the disciples. Jesus says, You know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So whoever wants to be a leader, Jesus says, it's it's interesting to me because we live in a church culture today that is obsessed with leadership, leadership books, leadership training, leadership development. And I'm not anti-leadership. Is leadership a biblical pattern? Yes. Does God lead us through leaders? Absolutely. But let's not water down what Jesus said and did here. He and started, and let's not start calling metaphors on things that aren't metaphors. Jesus didn't metaphorically wash his disciples' feet while he was hosted in a five-star hotel and on a private jet. He said he was here to serve, and he displayed it. He displayed it. So why don't we say it and display it more often? Uh, I, I read a quote the other day. From a, from a guy named Michael Frost. He's a Baptist uh, guy. He, he authored a book called Read Jesus. He's, I kind of like him. He shares some cool thoughts. He's a bit of an outside-of-the-box thinker, but he, he kind of was sharing about this whole concept of, um, you know, church growth theory and church growth strategies and, and Christian leadership, which really has turned into a, a, a bit of an industry, the Christian leadership industry. Um, And he says this, uh, he posted this on Facebook the other day, church growth theory doesn't result in church growth. 
And the church leadership industry didn't give us better leaders. So can we stop trying to do Christian ministry with tools from the fields of marketing, management, and psychology now? The proof is in the pudding. After a half century of church growth theory, the church in the West has shrunk. And after 30 years of leadership studies, we're seeing an unprecedented number of leadership failures. Where else can we turn? That's a pretty challenging quote, right? And I would argue the answer to that question is, we could turn to Jesus, <laughs> according to live according to Jesus' words and Jesus' actions. And according to Jesus' words and actions, leadership, in his eyes, is servanthood. Servanthood. And don't just do it out of obligation or condemnation. No, you, we do it out of love. Let love express itself through servanthood. Kingdom culture is a culture of servanthood. A culture of helping and serving others and controlling yourself. Not a culture of controlling others to help and serve yourself. No, that's backwards. No, we're here to help and serve others. And I'm not just saying this as a church planting pastor, Maria and I, like to get you to serve us more. No, uh, like Maria and I are here to serve as well, man. Like we're, we're first in, last to leave. And not just because it's our job. It's, I know it's not Maria's job. She's working uh, throughout the week. We've got young kids. Look, look, listen, although volunteering in church is an expression of servanthood, absolutely. And it's a great one. And I'm not just talking about uh, fulfilling a Sunday service position, although that can be part of your, uh, your outworking of servanthood. Absolutely. But, but before we get there, before we start serving in church services, let's talk about serving God. Serve your wife, serving your kids, serving your husband, serving your boss, serving your workplace, serving your parents, serving people in your community that are in need. If Jesus was willing to serve, so should we. You know, Jesus chose servanthood as his method and posture to change the world. Think about that. You know, it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of Quality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Don't you just love Jesus? Setting the standard of love, sacrifice, humility, obedience, kingdom culture is a culture of servanthood, and the pace of that servanthood was set by Christ himself. Who are you serving today? Are you serving anyone? Are you serving God, others, or are you just serving yourself? And that's a a tricky thing about culture, because if you're not grounded in what Jesus says to do, you get swept up. And over time, you'll find yourself not serving anyone but yourself, or or serving a, a culture that's around you. It's been interesting on this church planning journey, um, getting to know new people who come into our church and hearing the language and the expectations that they have. Uh, some people who've stayed, some people who've, who've, who haven't decided to stay. And, and either way, we love and the, we love all of you. The door's open to you if you want to inquire about our church. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's always interesting to us when you hear the language in people that says things like me and I, and this is what I want to do. And 
Now, look, finding a, a good church is important, and, and we do need to look after ourselves and find a healthy place to be planted, and, and we can't lose heart of that. And we want to be in unity with where the, the church is heading. Um, but we can't lose the heart of a servant in all that we do. It's not just about me. It's not just about what I want. And even us as pastors, it's not just about us. You know, we, we, we want to be servant leaders. And Jesus chose servanthood to save the world. He didn't choose status. He could have. He could have just came and found his way up the, the ladders of influence and authority and, and, and stood on big platforms to change the world. No, no, no. He, instead, he took a towel and a basin and washed his disciples' feet. He invested in few. He, he served people, which is just amazing. Kingdom culture is a culture of servanthood. And let's change the world. Let's change our world through servanthood. And in this culture war where the culture may push you towards ladder climbing and chasing influence, how about we chase servanthood? Just thought, you know, we've been just just a thought to to help us stay grounded in what Jesus taught and exemplified. Amen. And maybe you're listening to our podcast today, and 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 you haven't even taken the first step of actually following Jesus. Well, one of the cool things about that story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is that he says, like Peter refuses. One of his disciples is like, "You can't wash my feet, Jesus." And Jesus is like, "No, no. Unless you let me wash you, you don't belong to me." And you know, the amazing thing about Christianity is that the doorway to to being right with God through Jesus comes by allowing Jesus to serve us, serve us with forgiveness, with grace. Isn't that amazing? That that it's not Jesus standing up and on some platform and saying, This is what you must do to to get right with God. No, no. He stoops low. This is why he came. He died on the cross because he loves you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know what his nature is. His nature is a loving nature, a serving nature. Even though you've ignored him, even though you've rebelled against him, he wants to serve you. So the question I have for you is, are you going to allow Jesus to serve you today and wash you, wash your sins away? If you want to make that decision today and you want to know more about Christ, get in contact with us. We would love to help you on that journey of knowing Him. But it all starts with a decision. So I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And if you want to pray this prayer to Jesus, I want you to pray it to Him as I pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the podcast today. Uh, It's a lot better audio speaking into this nice microphone instead of trying to record in our... uh, uh, our uh, our temporary church venue where we've got go-karts going off in the background and stuff like that. But that's all part of the fun of it. We're having a great time. And hey, we hope to see you in Connect Groups in this next month. We're starting Connect Groups and also at our next in-person service. And if you did just pray that prayer, we want to serve you. We want to help you know more about Jesus. So get in contact with us. Head to everyonechurch.com.au, hit the Connect With Us button, and we'd love to send you a Bible and offer you a free coffee, anything we can do to help you follow Jesus. Have a blessed week, everyone.